Hey everybody, and welcome to another new episode of Time Extend. Uh, you're listening to Adam Ismail, as always. I'm joined with Brendan Rorison, and picking up on our Wipeout ranking discussion from last week, we're finishing that discussion up this week. We are yet again joined by our guest, uh, Daryl Baxter, to talk about the rest of the best games in the Wipeout series. Daryl, how you doing? I'm good, thanks, man. I'm good. I'm already insert. I've got the names like down to a T this time, so I know which one I'm going to talk about. <laughs> so it's all good. I'm ready to go, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the I think the audience got your uh, hatred of 2048 <laughs> down, you know, very clear, regardless if you weren't sure what game you were actually referring to. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I feel like it's therapy in a way, so I feel better for it now. It's all good. Brendan, you also, uh, you you were able to you know, come clean about all of your problems with that game. Are you like, are you calmer now? Do you feel like you can enter this with a, with a clear head? <laughs> yeah, well, um, after we finished up the podcast, I wrote a 12,000 word essay on why it sucks. And then I uh, <laughs> uploaded a 10 hour YouTube video of ranting since that's what um, white middle-aged YouTubers are supposed to do about stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, so got there in the end after complaining about something so unimportant. <laughs> That's good. Good. It, it sounds. It sounds like you did everything to a T. Everything you were supposed to do. So, um, exactly. So we. So we can exactly. carry on then. Uh, yeah. So the interesting thing about the second half of this discussion is just by the nature of how we rank these games and we vote for them, we ended up with a lot of ties. So the there is a tie for third place and there is a tie for first place. Um, and. Without further ado, we will just talk about what the games that tied for third were. So, and and it's actually very appropriate that they would tie because they're very similar. Uh, they were Wipeout Pure and Wipeout Pulse, which were the two PSP entries uh, coming out in 2005 and 2007, respectively. Pure was a launch title, and uh, Pulse improved in a lot of ways, but also would bring a lot of those improvements into Wipeout HD fury which would come out the next year so these are two very similar games and to be honest uh brendan i know i know you love pulse you voted very highly i voted pure very highly uh they kind of blend together in my memory but i actually didn't play pulse when it came out um i played it only i think after i played hd so um yeah no how did uh how did you guys basically uh arrive at these games did you were you already I guess at this point, you were probably both already firmly invested in Wipeout at this point. I was kind of just getting my feet wet. Yeah, um, when it comes to Pure Impulse, the, the interesting thing about them is, like you're saying, they, they try and achieve pretty much the same objective, a modern portable Wipeout game. But the way they set about it was slightly different in the sense that I felt as if Pure into the kind of design aesthetics of the games that came previously, but updating it with this fresh new visual style that looked great. But whereas with Pulse, they took that and then tried to make it a bit more edgy almost. And the atmosphere of the game felt a lot more kind of techno-inspired rather than the kind of uh, kind of new futuristic way the game the game series had been previously. So, like you're saying, they, they both rated very similarly. Gameplay is pretty much identical. But for me, the reason Pulse came out on top in terms of my individual ratings was purely because I felt as if, like you're saying, the foundations for HD Fury were there. Pulse was the kind of the coming of age game for what would be the new kind of era of Wipeout. Oh, I, I think that's definitely true. Uh, Daryl, where are your thoughts? 
I mean, I came to like Wipeout Pure when I first got a PST, so that was how I was introduced to it. And then, uh, of course, like Pulse came out, I think 2007. And I mean, I kind of agree with like Brendan when it came to Pulse. I mean, it's definitely kind of like it was a point where the series matured really, almost into a sense. They kind of learned from like some of the failings from Fusion, and then kind of built it into these two games. And I kind of find Pulse to actually be the the worst game of the two, actually, because I feel like it's kind of more, like you say, kind of like more techno-inspired, more more arcadey. Whereas with Pure, I kind of feel like there's more depth to it. There's less repetition, to be honest, with Pure. And I feel like the handling's um, like slightly better as well. It kind of rivals um, Wipeout 3. I almost have seen this Wipeout Pure as kind of like a Wipeout 3.5, to be honest. You know, yeah. really. Yeah. And... I think with Paul, see, maybe we kind of like tried to enhance some of the mechanics and the steering. I think, unfortunately, it kind of came worse off. I mean, even like I was playing both of them a few days ago, I even felt like the UI and the menus of Pulse was worse. You had this kind of like vertical um, selection of the stages and things, and you didn't really know where to go. Whereas a Pure, it was just all kind of, it was there for you to go for and select and really easy to do. And yeah, I mean, I think with Pure, especially when you got like the download packs back in the day, because this was a, a new thing, you know, you could download tracks, yeah. which is insane. Um, I felt like Pure kind of won out, and it's that's really the game out of the two that I kind of go back to more. Yeah, Pure was definitely ahead of its time. I mean, the ability to download extra content, and I think some of it was free and some of it was paid, but back then, 2005, you know, everything was very cheap. So it, it very much was a game ahead of its time, and... Pure was a great showcase of what the PSP could do, although Pure was, you know, I mean, at that time, handheld gaming before the PSP came out was like, it was a Game Boy Advance, you know, it was something that was barely as powerful as an SNES, and now we're getting to a point where you can have console quality games, you know, on the go, which which was a really big deal, so I remember uh, the first time I played Pure, and Pure was, uh, as I said last podcast, was the first Wipeout game I ever played, so I kind of went into the series uh, not knowing what to expect, and I was just blown away. I mean, I, I think last show, Brendan, I think you were uh, you were the one who said, like, you, you always remember the first laps you take on, like, the first track in, like, a, a racing game that's very important, and, like, for me, uh, Vanita K is, like, such a perfect track. I, I love it. It's, um... Yeah, it's just like that image of that track, and it's it's burned into my memory almost like uh, Seaside Route 765 was when I played Ridge <laughs> Racers on the PSP for the first time. Um, and it, it's just, yeah, it does feel like a continuation of Wipeout 3, Daryl. I think that's absolutely correct, and I think that's probably why I love it so much. I mean, I gave it, like, mm. my second highest rating uh, of the series, and it carries, even though at this point, you know... Uh, Studio Liverpool uh, had been probably hadn't been working uh, with design with the Designers Republic for a couple of years now. It still feels like it carries some sort of TDR influence. It's very clean. It's very basic. It's very but but effective and beautiful. And the aesthetically is designed in such a way that it works to the PSP strengths. You know, it's not trying to throw too much at you at any given time. It's just, it's just very clean and beautiful and futuristic in a way that I, you know, the, the, the kind of future that I appreciate and that I love to see him wipe out. And I think that that sums up something pretty interesting about this series where it does have a, a quite a large dedicated group of fans 
but like the, the games have distinctly different styles. And the thing about Pure was, like you're saying, it is very similar to Free in terms of the handling, that more kind of bobbly or floaty model that you'd expect from anti-gravity racers. Pulse onwards, it became very exact, almost mathematical in nature. And I can see why a lot of older Wipeout fans wouldn't like that. The focus became on the barrel rolls, it became about using the kind of the air brakes. Because once you get really good at Wipeout in the later games like HD Fury and stuff, it's all about double tapping each of those air brakes. If you're actually using them, the normal method that you're so used to in the previous games, you're losing a lot of time there because they kind of fundamentally change how the ships handle. Mm. <laughs> I got like proper into learning the pulse way of playing, but even now, the original Wipeout games, I'm not very fast in them at all because whilst I enjoy them, I just never fully got on with the floaty modelling in terms of trying to become great at the games. And it never bothered me because the games are so great anyway that that isn't the point. But when Pulse came out, this is the competitive wipeout experience I feel as if has been missing. And the thing about Pulse was as well, we were saying like how Pure did great from an aesthetics point of view. You can see Studio Liverpool really did learn from TDR. Um, it looked fantastic. But on a technical level, I feel as if Pulse also achieved some great things. You had custom soundtracks in there. You could load mm. MP3s onto the memory stick and use your own soundtrack, which was really cool. There was a pretty in-depth photo mode that had been improved from Pure. The kind of the daddy of them all, as far as I was concerned, was you could upload libraries online through your PC and load them into the game. So you could have custom designed the ships. And that's something we never seen ever again in Wipeout, but it was so cool at the time, especially in a portable device. Yeah, it, it makes me wish I had played this game when it actually came out because all of those things, you know, the liveries and stuff like that would have been really kind of in their heyday. And it is, I feel like it's quite brave of them to allow people to do that because, I mean, like, you know, so many different, so many other racing franchises have a hard time giving some control back to the players. And Wipeout is so based around its its aesthetic and this cohesive visual design that to relinquish a little bit of that control seems like almost like a recipe for disaster like i can only imagine i don't know how sophisticated livery either was but i can only imagine you're driving around and then all of a sudden you see like you know monster energy on the side of a <laughs> of an ag ship or like you know the uh, the guy from gears of war or whatever like yeah. yeah i mean that's the thing about the library editor basically the way it worked was like approach back then for pc sims and the like where you had like a spread like a, a a design sheet of each side of the ship and how the decal would work and then on your pc you could use photoshop or whatever to overlay it but the cool thing was that because of the exact dimensions of the ships they'd actually included by default the regular paint job that the designers would make on their own development kit. So you could actually change the colours of the ships. So for example, one of the things I did because like I love Wipeout's load and stuff was to have one of the Pfizer ships in a slightly different livery. So it was like mm. if that was another pilot. So when yeah. you're racing and stuff, you could make like a, a black and gold version of the Pfizer livery. It looked the exact same. Oh, that's really cool. This is the blue and yellow one. The only difference would be that you were able to make that change and like you're saying obviously it, it kind of it goes against the design philosophy of wipeout because you can make what you want but i feel as if designers would understand and appreciate in terms of how the, the kind of design kit worked it was a great idea at the time and if i recall correctly when you raced online people couldn't see your custom designs anyway so mm. it was kind of for your benefit only but i mean i will be honest it's 
reason to mess with Wipeout's design philosophy. <laughs> so whilst I did create my own designs, it was, it was hard to get away from the, the ones that are provided because they just they fit the world so well. Did either of you play the PS2 port of Wipeout Pulse by chance? Because I completely forgot that this game was ported to the PS2. Nope. Oh, I did as well. No, I forgot. Yeah. No, I didn't. Yeah. It's it was part of that like late PS2 lifespan push that Sony made to port like Motorstorm Arctic Edge and this game and some other games to the PS2 from the PSP. Yeah, Liberty City Stories. I remember. Yeah. Yep, Liberty City Stories. It was. I mean, it was smart. It it was just kind of weird because, like in this case, you know, it came to PS2 like two years later, and I think maybe it was the type of thing where I don't know. They wanted people to get into HD on the PS3 first and they want to give them yeah. that experience and then everyone who languished mm. behind and didn't have a PS3 yet oh here you know we'll toss you a port of Pulse uh, which I mean is nice I mean it's way better than Fusion I, I think we can all agree and um, mm. you know is a the, the, the PS2 had some you know had relatively long legs for a console you know I mean it, it couldn't do all of the network functionality a PS3 could, but towards the end of the PS2's lifespan, you were seeing some amazing looking games and like, you know, even even Gran Turismo 4 is still really yeah. beautiful <laughs> for its time. So so I get it. Um I just wonder how many people experience the game this way. It's a good point. I, I've never played it myself. Me I would have loved to have tried it, but I can't even remember seeing it in any shops. You know that way? I like, don't either. By the time it came out, it was the PS2 sections in stores were just fading away as well, so the likelihood of finding it yeah. seems pretty over here because I can't remember seeing it whatsoever. I know it existed, but never seen it in the flesh. Yeah, I knew it existed, but it, it wasn't released in the US, uh, which I'm not surprised by at all, but uh, yeah, it might it might actually be pretty rare. Who knows? Yeah, could be. Yeah. It is. I've just been looking on eBay, and there's a copy of Wipeout Pulse for eighty pounds on the PS2. Wow! wow. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very rare. Very rare. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. If if you have a PSP or you still have one, I mean, that's probably the best way to play a game, just because you know you can take it anywhere. And you know, if if you if you want that that home console Wipeout experience, there's nothing better than HD at this point. But or I guess Omega Collection, but. Mm. Yeah. 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 So, so I think that just about covers those two games. I mean, they. I feel like this is where Studio Liverpool like really put its stamp on the PSP and and opened Wipeout to a whole new fan base, um, which was great for them to to do that because it made the next game on our list, which is Wipeout HD come arrive at this time where I feel like everyone was was more aware of the series. I mean, you know, we talked we talked last episode about the fact that, you know, Wipeout had this uh, obviously like this this huge UK presence and this huge European presence, but I felt like at least in you know in North America and my neck of the woods, like a lot more people started to become aware of Wipeout on the PS3 with HD, especially because you know it released all around the world at the same time as a PlayStation Network title, um, which was very strange at the time because like that was back during those days when like you looked at like Xbox Live Arcade games and PlayStation Network games as like lesser. So mm. the idea that this was going to be like I, I remember struggling with the concept that like wait this is like a fully fledged Wipeout like it also had the HD suffix it wasn't like Wipeout 
don't know what you'd call it, four or something like that. So it wasn't quite sure where this landed in like kind of the, the pecking order of the series. But I mean, this game defined Wipeout for a number of years and, and was supported for a long time. I mean, I can't remember if Fury came out in like 2009 or 2010, but it felt like this game went on forever and ever. Yeah, definitely. And it's good you brought up the point about it being like a digital exclusive for quite some amount of time. Eventually, it did get a hard copy release. Right, but, um, right. Uh, they, they did say basically, like Studio Liverpool, that the idea was to prove at that time that downloadable content and downloadable games didn't have to be small in scale. And whilst it's norm now that everything gets released digitally, sometimes that's your only option in certain platforms, um, I remember being the same as you, Adam. I was like, is this a full game or is it a DLC basically for Pulse with a few added bells and whistles? And yeah, it. it it was just so well supported throughout its whole life cycle. By the time Fury came around, precedented for such an, an amazing amount of content to be added to a game that had been out for such a long time. And that meant that it did have a consistent player base for quite some time. Um, the online worked really well, all things considered. What looked as if it could have been just a taster like Gran Turismo HD. <laughs> don't don't bring up GTHD. <laughs> I just felt as if that was, it was a good example to show how right. confused the name could make people because Wipeout HD might have implied it was some sort of tech demo, but in reality, like this was a full fledged game and over five hundred hours of gameplay in this game, and I loved every single minute of it. This was this is pretty much my definitive Wipeout experience in terms of raw amount of hours spent playing. Yeah, I think it's a lot of people's definitive Wipeout experience. Um, Daryl, how did you get on with it? I mean, I remember like when HD first came out, and you're both right. I mean, I kind of saw it as like one of those kind of trial versions that you'd maybe see now and again in the PS3 era, the way you just kind of like download a few levels and then just kind of wait for what could be coming next. But it was Fury, actually, that kind of really got me into it because there was a mode in it. I think it was Detonator, where oh, instead yeah. of like... <laughs> increasing the speed and um, not like not doing zones it was laps instead so it just gets faster like every single time up to 14 laps and i was addicted to that mode i mean that was just so much fun and that was kind of the mode like that kind of made me like got the like the definitive mode definitive game of wipeout really on the ps3 and well, ps4 as well really in, in time it just made it really fun and it made it like the ultimate edition of what wipeout could be and how it could be in the future and it was just really fun. I mean, to me, it, it's, it is like, there's not a lot that can be explained about it because it, it, to me, it just seems like the ultimate edition, like kind of a, almost like a greatest hits collection of Wipeout and put into an upscaled HD version of Wipeout HD and Fury with three extra modes. Um, I'm just seeing it now, not, not just detonated, but you got Zone Battle and um, we can race other ones and Eliminator, which reminded me of Burnout 3 for some reason, but here we are. <laughs> and, um, you know, and it's and it's just a great thing. It, it was fantastic. And I remember, like, around those years as well, like, trophies were a big deal about what games going to be updated yes. with trophy support. Yeah, and of I course. Think, I think Metal Gear Solid 4 and Wipeout were the two big ones that people were waiting for. And I think I finally got it in 2009, early 2010. I think that was a big deal. So I think Wipeout kind of really came into its own when the trophy um, update came in as well. So, yeah, big fan of it. Yeah, Detonator and Eliminator 
I remember being kind of on the fence about those before I started actually playing those modes and playing the game. Because uh, I think uh, Eliminator... I think HE didn't come out with it, but Fury introduced the, the more combat-heavy modes. And, and I remember yeah. thinking, like... Uh, they're trying to make Wipeout to something it isn't. Like, Wipeout's not about combat. But then the second that you understand that you actually play it and you understand kind of how the modes work, it clicks. It's like, I, this is something right. I never knew I wanted. Like, Eliminator's kind of weird because, like, there's all this commotion, all this stuff happening, and it almost feels like it's by chance that, like, complete random chaos that, like, one of your AI competitors would all of a sudden do really well and you wouldn't. Like, it, it almost feels unfair, but at the same time, it's just, like, you're just immersed in all of this just, like, all these explosions yeah. and just people like being able to switch back and forth like you can do a 180 just by pressing a button mm. in those modes which is like it totally changes the game and all of a sudden it doesn't really matter that you're on like a linear racetrack it could be like a mario party or a, a mario yeah. kart battle stage for all yeah. all you know and it's like it, it yeah. totally uh transforms kind of what you expect from Wipeout but does so in a way that is a lot of fun and uh, as as skeptical as I was of those modes before I started playing them I definitely fell in love with them later on yeah yeah, and it just HD Fury brought everything together that had been created up until that point into Wipeout and I'll, I kind of just remembered as well there was like a, a mini controversy in the game when they used to play adverts during the loading screens that don't know if you guys remember that there was like yes. a, something where it would play random adverts but the adverts weren't timed to the length of loading times so it could be a 30 second <laughs> ad but usually only a 15 second load time and you'd have to wait till the full advert finished and, and fans were quite pissed off about it there were a couple controversies with this game uh that was one and then before it came out it was actually delayed because of concerns relating to zone mode and epilepsy um mm -hmm. like being an epilepsy trigger because in that in that mode you know as i'm sure a lot of people are saying no you're you're kind of hit with this barrage of just like pulsating visuals and the entire track and and everything changes uh changes colors and changes intensity based on the music based on the level that you're racing at you know because you go faster and faster in zone mode and uh if you if you dig back you can actually see some articles about it and people from the development team going like yeah we we had to we had to kind of mess about with it and uh but and and do so in a way that toned it down but it's still pretty beautiful and i mean i i haven't seen what the original zone mode looked like because i don't know if that footage even exists online it might in like preview form but sure. zone mode in this game regardless looks looks great and uh it's just you know, of course, Wipeout would run into that particular issue. You know, I can't imagine any other series. Um, you know, it's the same thing that happened uh, with that, like, that, that episode of Pokemon in Japan, like, in the oh, 90s. God, yeah. You know, it's like, it's yeah. it's so weird. But, you know, of course, Wipeout would fall into that. Presentation of the game really is on another level. Like, the we talked about previous games, specifically what Fusion in 2048 might have failed at in the sense that, this game just looks so crisp from every angle when you're on the track or in the menus. Everything's so distinct and clear. P60 frames per second, which just illustrates that further. I it's, was going to say, Brendan, you haven't said the four magic words yet. 60 frames yeah. per second. <laughs> we got there eventually. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, that leads on to one of the reasons I consider this the definitive experience because it's just... It doesn't matter how fast the game is. Everything's so clear that you can never blame, like... 
you can't you can't blame any form of blindness in terms of how the game portrays its track and the ships. You can see everything very distinctively. The gameplay is pretty much at its peak here for me. I just feel as if it's the most responsive wipeout game and the most impressive for that reason. Hmm. Yeah, definitely the most responsive. And also, this was a time when most games on PS3 and 360... I don't even know if the 360 could do 1080p, but the, the PS3 could, but a lot of games didn't take advantage of it. They would run 720p mode. Um, so this was one of the first that actually took advantage of the full possible display resolution of the PS3, which made it look incredibly crisp. And 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 it was that kind of Studio Liverpool aesthetic at this time where, like, the textures aren't super detailed and, like, nothing is, like nothing's like jaw dropping and like uh you know it's a different visually it it feels differently than like an uncharted or like another like high-end triple a sony developed ps3 game but they throw a lot of for lack of a better word polygons at you there's so much like you can see crowds you can see like billboards floating in the sky you can see like balloons and confetti and fireworks and like there's just a lot of visual noise happening which sounds kind of disparaging but like it's it's actually like breathtaking when you first play the game and and going back to 2048 that stuff doesn't work so great on the smaller screen but you know on the big tv in 2008 on hgtv and you've never seen anything like this before like it really is breathtaking and and it does feel like wipeout kind of uh it kind of tipped over there was this like new era and it was taking advantage of the hardware in a way that a lot of our games didn't so it it felt fresh and new um you know we didn't know at the time that that would be kind of the the swan song of the series in a weird way but fury just like when they introduced fury the they kept the same principles but applied it in a completely different way so there's a lot more darker uh, kind of maps introduced the menu took on a more edgy black and red theme but or even sorry in the ships as well the new ship designs are a lot more aggressive and sharp edges compared to what we'd seen previously yeah i think of it as like the sorry i think of it as like the prince of persia warrior within to hd's uh sands of time if that's a reference that anyone understands (laughs) (laughs) or 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 like the Metroid Prime, like wasn't the second Metroid Prime game like really emo all of a sudden? Like there was a Dark oh, Samus. Echoes. Yeah, Echoes, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely following in the footsteps of those other franchises, um, for sure. Yeah, so I I have very fond memories of of these two games, and I mean this one game that had a pretty sizable expansion. Um, it's interesting looking into history of it a little bit, just the fact that it kind of like it, it seemed like sony was not planning on releasing a wipeout game for a ps3 and this actually came about uh the whole birth of of the hd project came about by way of a tech demo um i was reading that somebody from the studio liverpool team kind of just wanted to use a ps3 hardware to test like oh how how could we achieve motion blur and camera shake yeah. and some other visual effects and they so they put like pulse to the system and then eventually the project ended up looking so good when they realized they could take advantage of the PS3's you know vast hardware that it it kind of became this real thing. And they presented to Sony, and Sony was like, "Yeah, let's do it." So 
which which is almost like I mean it's cool that it, something can come about that way, but at the same time it's almost like disappointing, and I feel like almost insulting to Wipeout that like it kind of backdoor became this thing on the PS3, and then maybe Sony was like, eh, like well we'll launch it as like a digital game, not like a fully boxed product when it comes out, because like we don't totally believe in it, but like hey we got the PlayStation Network, maybe we could use that. So Wipeout kind of exists in this weird like. Does any does anyone in Sony like really appreciate it or not? Like I, it's it's hard to tell. And I mean, I'm glad this game came out, but I do I do wonder if if it had a little bit more muscle behind it. You know, would we have gotten the true sequel? Would we have gotten you know something that wasn't more like a greatest hits of previous entries in the franchise and was more its own thing? Yeah, and it's. It is a bit of a surprise because Sony especially were always so intent on making sure that their AAA franchises had a lot of involvement from the studio, maintaining that quality, but Wipeout HD Fury, if, if we want to look at it in its most basic form, not res of a lot of existing content, but the amount of effort Studio Liverpool put in was probably a lot more than Sony expected, so they seen that build, they had no choice but to greenlight it. Yeah, yeah, I I think that there was a certain momentum behind it, and once once the game came out, and you know, I I was playing it, and a couple of my friends were playing it who like had no previous exposure to Wipeout, like, and and people who were like more into sim racing too, because Wipeout's like this weird thing where, you know, I feel like if we're comparing AG series, like F Zero is very there's no basis for for F Zero in like actual physics or reality like it's a fun game to play but it doesn't there's no weightiness to the ships it doesn't feel real at all whereas like wipeouts always exist in this weird place where it's almost like they, they were trying to make a futuristic racing game 100 years in the future but do it in the most realistic way possible by by guessing yeah. at what that would feel like and like hd because it you know because it's 60 frames per second because it's obviously the most like technically um, you know, adept of all of the games in the series, like, gets, I feel like it approaches that the most. Like, it, it feels as real as it can. So, like, you could go from playing a sim racing game to this. Like, I feel like if you, if you aren't familiar with arcade racers or you aren't familiar with anything like Wipeout and the style of AG racing, like, but, but you like something that's more realistic, like, Wipeout is a game that you could just have fun hot lapping in and learning and like it feels it feels as technically sound as a Gran Turismo or as a Forza or something like that even though it's something that's totally you know unique and and not possible in reality and HD Fury I think was uh was where I realized that I mean I had a friend who uh who loved just hot lapping in like GT5 Prologue and stuff like that and that was all I do and 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 he was into iRacing as well and I was surprised when all of a sudden he was just like spending hours hot lapping Uber Mall because that was like his favorite track. Um, so White Wipeout definitely has that appeal. It does, and that's what I was going to ask then because I'm not surprised that your friend had a specific track that he loved in HD Fury, and I was the same. For me, it was more Ferma, and I used to do so many laps of that track. What about you guys? Is there Fury you spent a lot of time on. To be honest, the what was it called? The Am that's a good one. That's a good track. I remember. 
you know, I think that was the, you know, one of like the, I think it's the water, was it the water one? Because it's, yeah, yeah, I'm sure it is. Or, no, it's not. No, um, it is almost like it, it said it's based in Las Vegas. Really nice, you know, um, just colourful, fantastic, yeah. just kind of, again, it, it's almost like kind of like a throwback to the first couple of wipeouts, really, and just in a HD, you know, vibe. And I think it really kind of refined it from when it appeared in Pulse as well. So, yeah, that's definitely a track I'd come back to. Yeah, here's the issue I have with Wipeout, and uh, some of the Time Extend listeners who are big Wipeout fans are probably going to, I don't know, be be aghast at this. But like, I have a really hard time remembering names with this series because they're all just made up words. I know that's really strange, but like, it's just very difficult for me. And they're all like, like Ultima Seven was like the first track in the first game, but it's like, why couldn't you have just called it Ultima? Like by playing the seven on, like I don't know if there's an Ultima Four or something. Like this, my brain, my brain struggles with these things. But the one I remember that I loved was Changha Project. That, ah, yeah, 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 that is, but just because of like the way it winds you up in the beginning, and then you have those, um, you have that really long kind of like uh, left hander that's like also kind of cantilevered like the banking is like away i think from the from the middle of the of from the inside of the corner which kind of complicates things before that you have a couple jumps it's a very like vertical track because once you go around that corner there's there are no walls and then you have a similar like right hander like relaxed right hander bend and then you have that huge drop where you could do i mean that's where i learned that like oh i can do barrel rolls and things and and wipe out you know it's like it, it just uh the verticality of that track was what stuck with me and it's why I really enjoyed it. And you could, anytime you're in the air and wipe out, it's like sometimes you can take advantage of that with a barrel roll and, and it's all about the landing and stuff. So it just totally changes the dynamic for me. And, and I really love that track. Yeah. And that is a great example for, for bringing in the verticality argument to the game in totality, because once you learn that if you like control the pitch of your ship enough so you can get the slight amount of air needed to complete barrel rolls, that's when like all bets are off and you can set insane lap times and you can really learn what lies underneath the game in terms of from a competitive side of things. And learning the slight amount of bumps we could do barrel rolls, like there was always the trophy for Moa Ferma where it was like do a barrel roll on that. And when you first play the game, you're like, where the hell am I supposed to do a barrel roll on more Ferma? <laughs> and then it becomes so obvious when you see it, you're like, okay, that makes sense. And then you find out that there's another place you can do a barrel roll on more Ferma. If you edge the ship correctly pitch-wise and then hit a boost, you can like fly corners rather than take it. And the whole game is full of those little shortcuts, but one of the things that Wipeout does well that annoys me about kart racers and other anti-gravity racers is like the track the track limits are very confined usually if you go off the track and wipe out it just plumps you back on the track right away no time wasted D-Fury there are certain parts that you can exploit the track limits so you can just take a little shortcut through using a boost or timing a barrel roll and that's what the game does so well because I like to think like the, the creators are obviously going for part of the, the Wipeout kind of timeline. Now this is as close to Formula 1 probably as Wipeout gets in the sense that all the tracks are kind of fairly short and like there's there's no deviation, it's one track and there's no there's no real shortcuts and stuff like 2048, 
by comparison, has many different routes. Whereas in HD Fury, aside from one or two tracks, it's all very much take and there's no deviation. But the more you learn the game, the more you learn how the ships handle, you can start to discover where the time lies in terms of getting good barrel rolls. So, for example, on Ubermall, through the kind of the tiny split track onto the ramp, you can get one barrel roll easily enough because you're in the air. But if you manage to hit the correct part of where you land, you can do another barrel roll. And learning how to master that type of stuff, that's where the game really shone for me because I used to be pretty invested in the, the kind of the community events side of things just mind-blowing to watch them work because they were able to find these barrel roll opportunities in places that you would have never guessed existed. Yeah, and I, I have to imagine that, I don't know if it was Pulse or HD that introduced this, but kind of like the um, the magnetic strips on certain tracks. So like at yeah, the back yeah. end of Moa Therma where you have all these bumps, but if I remember correctly, you're, the magnetic strip runs the whole time, yeah, so you can't actually there. get any air. Um that was always a little bit annoying to me because it's like those are parts of tracks I want to take advantage of with barrel rolls. But uh, so when they would use it a bit too often, um, it was kind of frustrating. But it also allowed you to have some crazy tracks like, you know, in the beginning of Moa Therma where you have that, that huge loop. So I could see the reason for it. Um, but it, it is it is interesting. Like I never as much as I loved Wipeout HD and as much as I played it, I feel like I never got into the finding the secrets of every track as much um because a lot of it like maybe not this game so much but definitely 2048 um which i think brendan you said that that really didn't interest you like to a certain point a lot of it's just like make sure you hit every single boost pad and i'm just like "Ah, yeah and and i know you said you're not really interested in boost pad gameplay like it doesn't it doesn't do anything for me either um but then having all the little secrets and things you can exploit I feel like gives the game legs and makes it a little bit less obvious how you have to be fast, which is always good for competitive play and finding secrets and sharing and community and, and all the great things that come with that. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. Daryl, your experience of HD Fury then, was it pretty much just offline? Were you big on the single player stuff or did you play some online as well? A little bit of online, but I'll be honest, I mean, I'm not really a, ma- a massive online player, to be honest. I like just sitting next to someone and playing the game whether it's in split screen or four player but I do play like a lot of the single player I did and I still do with it and it's just it's just a really fun time of just kind of completing the tracks and you know like you say there's not a lot of kind of suits in these tracks it's a lot of fun definitely with some scaled way and I have to say as well like when this was ported to the MA collection I mean playing it in VR was just incredible really I mean that was just another experience with Wipeout it makes you want just a game that has a lot of VR tracks that you can just play on as well. Yeah, we didn't yeah. really touch on that because I haven't played it in VR. Um, but there were some people who responded uh, on Twitter saying that like nothing beats Omega Collection in VR, which I'm actually surprised to hear because like if you want to talk about motion sickness, I, I have to imagine that Wipeout would be like the game that would give you the most motion sickness in VR <laughs> if you're if you're susceptible to it. Yeah, yeah, it did to me a little bit at the beginning. And I remember when I first tried the VR playing Resident Evil 7, and my God, just getting the sickness from that was insane. But for some reason, in Wipeout, I mean, it does it in a way where it's manageable. And it's just the fact that you're just looking around the craft as you're racing and like using the weapons, and it's just a, it's a crazy experience. And you just kind of think really like just how far we've come from like playing like the first Wipeout on 
PlayStation One Sega Saturn to just playing it in a headset in VR. I mean, it's just it's crazy, absolutely crazy. Given the the feedback that you know, it seems like a lot of people do enjoy playing Omega Collection in VR. It, it does make me hope and wish that the series somehow returns. Because, you know, it seems like we've reached this point where there's like this whole new way we could experience a series and and just in time for that to arrive, Wipeout is functionally dead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, that's a really good point, to be honest, because I'm not sure what developer could do the series justice as well, because Wipeout just has that like, distinct feel to it. It's very hard to replicate, as we've seen is not quite getting on its level yeah well we've uh, we've talked about Fury in the HD for a while now and at this point we should probably move on to the the top two games if that's alright with everyone um, yep. although I know HD I know HD is very near and dear to your heart Brendan so you could probably fill an entire show just, just talking about <laughs> this game um, I can talk about HD how much I love it nearly as much as I hate 2048 that isn't it <laughs> If that isn't a resounding recommendation, well. So as you probably guessed by now, um, the the tie for first place is between Wipeout 2097 and Wipeout 3, and it kind of kind of bothers me this ended in a tie because I feel like it's pretty anticlimactic. You know, these are two very highly regarded games, and I see as many people prefer three as I do 2097. Like I feel like there's it's not like Ridge Racer where it's like clearly everyone favors Type Four. Um, Wipeout is like you're either a 29. If if you're inter- interested in the classic games, you either prefer 2097 or three. I mean, like you can lo- love them both, and and I do, and I think we all do. But like it, I think it all comes down to like there's just like the aesthetic is so different. Um, the physics are different to a certain extent. Both great games, but like almost different flavors of that experience. Yeah, I think you're correct there, and. I don't think there's an objective answer for what game is better, personally. I think um, 2097 is so focused and exact that it does perfectly what it sets out to do. But Wipeout 3 of Wipeout to what we'd like to see it become. So it just depends whether you want this like focused experience that, let's be honest, 2097 nails, because I always think about this game a lot one that arguably plays the best and is the most content and that would be the three would be the winner in that regard 
Yeah, let's let's talk about 2097 first. And Daryl, you gave it, I think, your highest rating out of all the games. And yeah, why why was that? I don't know whether it's like the nostalgic value because I remember when I first got my PlayStation. I mean, everyone kind of had that demo disc that was packaged with it, and one of the games was 2097, and it came with a track that I always highly regard. It's called, if I'm going to pronounce it wrong, probably, but um, Gerdi Diorica. Um, it's like set in a disused metro system in France. And oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And I think it's just a mix of the the UI of it, the handling of the ships, um, the way you, like, you go through the menus, and every time you just kind of have a bit weird satisfaction every time you select something. It's like bang every time. You know, and like almost like a sliding door, and it closes. And bam! I just, I just like it. I've got a weird thing about that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's like just when you're going through every single track, every single track is different. They're not bland. They're not kind of samey. You know, you've got everything there, and every time you kind of use a weapon as well, it's got that kind of just right feel of just that satisfaction when you hit something. And I think especially when it comes to the plasma weapon as well. I mean, you hear it charge you up, you hear it just fire. And as soon as it hits that shit, I mean, it's just like the ultimate, like, yeah, I've got this now. I mean, this is good. <laughs> and of course, I mean, like the music, like Chemical Brothers. And I think like one of you like and had tweeted like the soundtrack and that was on Spotify. And I spent like the last week just listening to it again and reminiscing, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know. It was fantastic, and I, I just everything about it. I just I just love it, and it, even when like you kind of you unlock the piranha ships as well. I mean that's just insane, and yeah, I just I just love it. It's just everything about it is just everything is great. The weapons I like have a display in the hood. I mean you just kind of get the feeling of like what it means and what it is, and like the electric one, the missiles, the speed, oh the speed boost as well. I mean you just on like Europa track, if you press it just before you go off that bridge, my God, you could just fly in like the DeLorean back to the future. It's crazy. It's so fast. It's amazing. And yeah, I just, I just love it as well. The only thing I lacked it was the like a split screen, um, which came in one yes. three. Yeah. But I'm willing to put that aside just because of how good the game is. Because it's always a game. As soon as I think of Wipeout, it's that game that I think of straight away. And I just want to see it remastered in some way. Even though some tracks got remastered in Wipeout 3, but that's the five point. I just want to see a Wipeout 397 uh, remake. So, yeah, that's all from me. <laughs> I mean, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, this game is it's basically perfect. Like, I, I have, like, no complaints about this. I, you know, it did have that early PS1 problem of not having split screen, but then a lot of the games back then didn't have split screen. Ridge Racer didn't have split screen. Uh, Rage Racer didn't have split screen. So, like, I get it. But, yeah, I mean, it's... What can you say about it? This was the game that I revisited the most in anticipation of this podcast. I think um, after we had our first show, I played this game for probably, like, three hours from start to I got through, like, the first challenge... Um, which is the first championship in the game. It's so interesting the way the single-player experience is laid out because you basically go through arcade mode once with all the ships, get gold, or not with all ships, but like once the different tracks and each one is a different speed class. So you, you go through them one by one, you gold them, and then there's a challenge, and the challenge is like, challenge one's like a six-race championship. 
Uh, which at first, well, it's not a championship. The interesting thing about it is like, I start doing, I start playing it. And I'm like, oh fuck! They give you like three continues, and you have to get first in every single one. But if you get a podium, you get a free continue. So I spent, God, I don't know which track it was. I think it was the, I think it was the second to last one in the fastest class that was available at the time. I'll find the name of it. But um, I had such a hard time golding this one track. I spent probably 45 minutes on that one track alone. But then, like, when I got through the entire series and got first in every single race, it was just such a... I feel like I earned it. And the thing about this game that I feel like is very different from a lot of other game racing games from this time period is that it doesn't feel unfair. Like, you feel like you earn the victories and, like, the difficulty uh, ramps up in a very understandable reasonable way where it's like the first campful races you do are very easy and then you can see things before your eyes start to change and you know what you need to do um three actually is probably like i have a bigger problem with it in three because three ramps up the difficulty way too quickly whereas 2097 mm -hmm. i feel like you get your feet wet and then all of a sudden it's like okay i understand like i've kind of grown with the game at this point in terms of my abilities and it's just like a such a satisfying experience. Like, I love the physics. I think the physics of 2097 are probably my favorite because I do prefer the floatier, the bouncy, floaty, slide up against the walls uh, kind of gameplay yeah. that these earlier ones have. Right. Um, and they and they focused and fixed a lot of things. I mean, this game only came out one year after the original, and they weren't necessarily intending for it to be a sequel, uh, which is why they called it 2097, which I never really picked up on instead of like a Wipeout 2. Um Although, obviously, Wipeout 3 will be 3, so I guess this was really Wipeout 2. But at any rate, uh, you know, they, they completely rewrote the code for a collision so that, you know, when you when you hit the track edges, you wouldn't necessarily stop immediately. The AI was rebalanced. Uh, the ships, they gave energy bars so you could eliminate other uh, combatants as well as yourself be eliminated. And... Um, they introduced uh, ghost vehicles, but apparently only in the UK because Atari had a uh, copyright or, or, a, or a trademark cool. on that feature in the rest of the world, which I just discovered in doing research for his show. So that's pretty interesting. Um, a lot of small, a lot of small changes that built up to a, a big improvement. Yeah, for sure. And that ghost, that ghost stem ship thing is very weird because I was also reading. The reason it was called XL in the US was because the team didn't think that the US market would understand the name. <laughs> okay, <laughs> as, really weird. Yeah, yeah, as well. Here's here's the thing. Um, so I read that and I thought that's really silly until I realized, like, wait, I never understood that. Although that 2097 was a hundred years in the future. Although, granted, I didn't play the game in 1997, so I wouldn't have yeah. thought. Like, I played the game in like 2009 or 2010 or something, so it didn't click with me. But, um, but yeah, that is pretty funny. I mean, like XL is like a. I think it's a fine other name. The the biggest problem with XL is that like when they when they change the name for the U.S. and they change the box art, they change the logo. Like the Designers Republic. Because, like, the 2097 box art, just like the original Wipeout's cover art, is so perfect and beautiful, and I wouldn't change a single thing about it. Um, if you've ever seen the U.S. box art, it's got this, like, less impressive-looking logo. It doesn't really feel like Wipeout. It feels like this Wipeout knockoff, and, like, you have these, like, 
CGI rendered ships instead of like the the beautiful yeah. like single yeah, like blocks of color that you get in the TDR cover and it's not the same thing but that that happens with a lot of US box art so it's hardly surprising it looks like uh, I don't know if this makes any sense but like a Nintendo 64 box art. yes which like, like Wipeout 64 had the same sort of yeah. design to it as well so yeah that that kind of I mean that shows the fine margins that makes Wipeout special like changing the box art suddenly makes the game look a lot less cool yeah <laughs> the inside I mean when you're playing the game though like it's all the same you know I mean actually it's funny that the the difference in the logos and the name kind of does extend into the game so like in that main menu uh, as you were describing Daryl with like it's really loud like you, you press on something and like you hear this like door slamming or something like that and the whole screen shakes they they do replace that logo with like the crappier wipeout XL logo and and they do some other things but I mean it's still it's got the same soundtrack it's got the same everything it's got the same you know TDR visual design it's it's exactly the same game where it should be um, interestingly this one also got a Saturn port but the Saturn port only came out in the in the Europe, and unfortunately, if uh, if Wipeout One Saturn port was like slow and bad, this one's like borderline unplayable. Because like I've seen, I've seen YouTube footage of it, and like it's just the frame rate is awful, and they couldn't do a lot of the same effects, like transparencies and stuff like that, weren't possible. So. Um, I'm amazed this game got a Saturn port at all because, like, by the time that it came out, I imagine the Saturn probably was like dead. But, uh, I, and then again, like, just like we said last show, like, who who experienced? Like, I want to talk to a person that first played Wipeout on the Saturn because, like, that's gotta be and so weird. And they're still a fan, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, it's so strange, like, about how the, the design of the series is where its heart is and we already kind of discussed 2097 and one of the entries at the top of our list um or the back of the list sorry so yeah we discussed last time around was at the red bull partnership and i actually read through research that basically there was a nightclub tour which was a collaboration between red bull and wipeout that took place around about the release of the game and that is just the coolest thing yes so so on brand could not be more on brand <laughs> exactly and oh man i just wish that i had if you could be at one of those events it would have been really cool at the time because you would have been like why is a video game hosting a nightclub tour in the uk i wonder what like i don't know much about the the you know the nightclub culture anywhere let alone the uk in the late 90s but like i wonder what that was kind of seen as is just like Sony is making a video game with all the acts we love and the designer the designers Republic, you know, is in that world and and they're with it too. Like the people the people accept it because it had the involvement of so many artists that they enjoyed, or did they initially like reject it because they're like, Oh, this is just like a, a major corporation just, you know, profiting and commodifying like our you know, world or a lifestyle or something like that. Like, that's something I wonder about. You've got to think it was the latter initially. Like, yeah. until people actually had the chance to play the game and realise that they had nailed the style so much. Yeah. I think it would have been to kind of regress from what Sony were trying to achieve. But, like you're saying, all the, all the major players were involved. So, 
it, it is no surprise that 2097 or XL is so iconic because it just they were going for. I don't think another video game has ever hit it so perfectly mm. in the way that 2097 does. There's ones that come incredibly close, specifically some Gran Turismo games and the style that tries to inject into the series and almost feels like more than a game as cliched as that sounds. It just feels like a, a passion project that was bankrolled by one of the biggest video game players at the time. I mean, to me, like the era of Wipeout 2097 and 3 and the fact that Type 4 came out at, at, at like the exact same time as Wipeout 3, um, there's like a kinship there. Like the only game I would argue that nails its style and is a little bit more cohesive is Ridge Racer Type 4. And like, but, but I mean, yeah. it's, it's marginal. Like these studios, as I said to Andrew in an episode way back, I think when I had him on for, when we had him on for the, the, his Ridge Racer album and, and you weren't there Brendan but I said something like there, there must have been just like something in the water you know that like <laughs> whether you were in Japan or you were or you were Pignosis in the UK or you're anywhere like just there, there was this like hopeful and then we speculate it's like pre 9-11 but just like this hopeful future and like this beautiful clean utopian future that like never existed again and just like hitting at this like incredibly high artistic level and um i guess it's it's no surprise that these games all came out within like two years of each other pretty much um the the, the one thing uh, i do want to talk about because we have criminally underrepresented wipeouts soundtracks uh during this series of podcasts although i think that most people would agree that like the 2097 3 era was probably like the best that the series ever sounded i mean like hd and stuff like they had good soundtracks but like when you think about like firestarter when you think about future sound of london when you think about like the the era of music that this game was born out of the wipeout the 2097 soundtrack is iconic um in interestingly in certain i think for the saturn version they reused uh, tim wright cold storage for 2097 i guess those licenses Maybe they only belong to Sony for the licensed soundtrack, so the PlayStation one got all of these amazing acts like Chemical Brothers and as have Future Sound of London and whatnot, and uh, the Saturn one didn't. But I mean, Tim Wright, a lot of fans still love Tim Wright and love Cold Storage, so it's good that he still was able to contribute to the series. Yeah, for sure, and you've pretty much summed up kind of what we can say about 2097 because it is very much a game that many people that praise it and for good reason it is the Ridge Racer Type 4 of anti-gravity racers yeah well I mean I'd argue that 3 is but it's probably a good time to talk about 3 so because yeah. we've talked about 297 yeah. for so long um <laughs> Wipeout 3 uh yeah this is another one of those cases where like uh, so I gave this my highest rating and like after spending so much time with 2097 I think I realized that I probably prefer 2097's gameplay but Wipeout 3 is so damn beautiful. It's so perfect to me. Like, the soundtrack was all composed by Sasha, and, and he has this amazing so song called, like, Expander in it, and it's, like, one of my favorite dance... Probably my favorite dance track ever, and... Um, there are other artists involved as well, but, like, the soundtrack's incredible. Graphically, it's, like... It's the PlayStation I don't think could have done more than this. Like, it, it looks incredible if you're able to play it in an emulator upscaled in some way it looks even better um the obviously we love the game because our our 
podcast art now is is the the main menu screen the title screen of wipeout three so i mean for for me this is like the apex of the series um this is the one that i mean i i I think i briefly played it in 99 i rented there or something like that when i was a little kid but like i didn't i didn't get it so i i barely touched it um so my introduction to wipeout would come with pure on the psp but uh once i rediscovered this game years and years later i i couldn't believe it um yeah it's just like it's like emotional the same way that ridge racer type 4 is at least for me and what why is that like if you could well it's just it's just like the perfect confluence of so many things musically artistically i love the the logos the team logos and the advertisements like are so amazing like i love that the piranha logo is just like a rectangle <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> and just like pfizer fi, is fair like i just love all of the aesthetics i mean i again it's a very time extend type thing because like it it's as much as we're a racing game podcast we talk about all the other stuff stuff ancillary to it that we love that's as important to us and that might not be true for a lot of people but like for me anyway just like seeing like it, it's honestly difficult for me to to decide what team i like the most in this game because i always up until this point up until i played wipeout 3 i always liked and preferred pfizer but then uh there's just something great about like arcom's design and piranha's awesome Ooh. and uh <laughs> yeah i just Oh, all the teams are so perfect. It's like I can't pick, you know. Vice off our life, mate. It's the way it's got it's to tough be. time. Even the, I mean, AG Systems too. Like, I mean, they're Japanese teams. So I mean, that's pretty cool. It's like I love that all the teams like have their different. You know, they're from different places, and all obviously very, very obvious to everyone. But I, I, I eat it up, man. Like this, if Wipeout Three was like define the design of the series for the rest of time. And it never deviated from it. I would have been totally okay with that because this is just perfect. The track design, um, just everything. I, I can't imagine anything better. Which is why Fusion, at least for me, was like so offensive. But we already <laughs> talked about Fusion. Yeah. Um, one of the kind of the coolest things about the teams and what you're saying about they come from a certain location, and it's fairly obvious. Is like once again, it's like a meta commentary on the overall arcing theme of the series that corporations will eventually try and control everything. So, like, is it good enough for Europe to have a team called Team Europe or whatever? It has to be related to a brand. Yeah. And even the players of the game, we eat that shit up. Like, if they were just Team Japan, Team Europe, it wouldn't be the same. Oh, who cares? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The game knows exactly what it's doing and. It's just so iconic. Like you can look at any of the designs in this game. It's made for a video game. It does feel as if it was made by professional designers, which of course it was. To eleven in this game throughout the whole thing. Like twenty ninety seven does a great job on atmosphere with a nice slight kind of splattering of the brands and logos, but in Wipeout Free it feels like they go full full in, like every single logo within this game and they treat it with that amount of respect and I think that's why the overall uh, the overall atmosphere from the game feels very corporate but in a very good way yeah Daryl do you um do you have a favorite team Brendan's very much in the Pfizer camp so and I'm, I'm undecided <laughs> I mean to be honest I mean we work out three I mean I have like a special place for the um 
I might pronounce this wrong again, but the Gothicy 45 series. Ah, uh, yeah. Three. Yeah, they're pretty good because that's how I kind of that's how I discovered Wipe Out Three through a demo in um, PlayStation Magazine number fifty. Super precise, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it was just the first track. It was this shit. And I just kept playing it over and over and over and over and over again. And it was fantastic. And every time I played this Wipeout 3, as I have been like this weekend, I mean, it's been that shit and Pfizer that I've been mainly playing as. And yeah, it's mainly them both two. Gateki 45, I never really liked that team, but I think the Gateki 45 ship in Wipeout 3 is maybe my favorite ship. I mean, it's just so like... It's so like rectangular and like so many hard edges compared to the other ships and it's massive and and the colors are great. And oh my god, can we talk about so the first track is great because it reminds me of uh of Out of Blue from Ridge Racer Type 4, which is again why these games like are associated. There's like the docks and everything and the ports and there are all these shipping containers and stuff. I think the the sunset shipping container aesthetic must have been like a big one in the late 90s like <laughs> just like introspective like racing by the pier or something i guess i don't know this is like a headcanon that i've developed for myself but uh it's so it's so iconic definitely a trend definitely <laughs> a, trend, a trend that, that should have been revisited um and uh, oh my god the the box art for this game i think actually is my favorite wipeout box art ever it's oh, yeah it, just like Beautiful. all these rectangles and parallelograms and shit just like flying at you and then you can see the one the Pfizer ship in it um, this was another case where I guess they didn't trust the Americans because um, to understand anything because they made the logo wipe out three in the US and everywhere else it was the three taking the E and wipe out but that to me is like that's obvious like I'm amazed that they they had such little faith in us that they couldn't that they couldn't do that I mean it's a three E backwards it's so simple Especially when it, it's, it had been like typeformed at that point where the E was capitalized as well, so like yeah. it stands out. It was surely anybody would get it, but I think um, by putting the three at the end of the title, it kind of devalues how it's in its original form. Yeah, I was thinking about ways in which Wipeout Three is is different to play than Twenty Ninety Seven. It has that boost feature, um, which is also your. Um, your ship's stamina or health, I guess, which is kind of weird because they never, they never happened again, right? Because you would be able to use your your energy as your boost, which is, I mean, when I think of that, that's like that's F zero type stuff. Like you could always yeah, do that in F zero, and it, I'm used to it in F zero, but I didn't think it really made sense in Wipeout. So that's like the one thing that kind of that never really caught on with me. It's kind of like this yeah. weird anomaly. Especially because the whole mantra for Wipeout Free is to create a, a believable future, as the team said. But this feels like a very... Because this is a game, rather than... If this was a real sport or motorsport, teams would actually implement a system like this that could ha like hinder the kind of the health of the ship. And it's just it's a small gameplay thing. There's no point in getting too annoyed by it. But I do agree that it almost felt it in... It, it felt like that ends compared to what else the game was trying to achieve on the design front and the gameplay front. Yeah. Um, should also add that with 2097 in this game, you could rip the soundtracks uh, in just a regular 
CD, um, you know, CD writer, reader, whatever on your PC. So I was doing that years ago, and that's how I got all the all the soundtracks that I had. Um, just great. I mean, it's funny because I think they release like separate soundtracks on top of them, but it's like who would buy them when if you just buy the PlayStation game, you can <laughs> you can get all the music. I mean, uh, now looking back, I'd love to have the soundtrack CD. <laughs> yeah, I mean, now I would, but at the time it was just like, oh, I mean, it's all on the disc, right? Um, interestingly. I've owned two copies of Wipeout 3 and both of them have this weird issue where they skip songs like in the middle of songs or they won't like like I'll be racing and they'll just keep restarting the same song over and over again and won't move on to another one or finish the song and I have to think that because I ran into this issue two times that it might just be it's either a problem with the way I'm playing the game because it might be a thing on PS3 is that it? Ah. Could be, yeah. yeah that's, a, that's actually a good theory, to be honest, because I don't know if the emulation is one to one on the PlayStation Three. I mean, it should be. I think if we had Andrew on the show, he'd be able to answer. But I think on the PS Three, it does like it's the PS Three has like basically PS One chip inside of it or something like that, and oh. doesn't even like emulate the PS One. Like it actually runs those games like almost natively. Um, but still, it might be some weird quirk. Or it might just be there was some horrible like pressing issue with Wipeout three discs in the U.S. and that's why I mean, the NTSC ones and that's why it doesn't work. I don't know, but it was always annoying because it is my favorite soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, I bet that would be really frustrating. Real quick, do uh, do either of you have like a favorite song from these games? Oh, in terms of twenty nineteen financially, or uh, one either both or one. I don't know any, any favorite songs at all. By Paul Van Dyke's up there for me. It's an absolutely brilliant song, and so is Expander. Yeah, Expander is great. Um, the Paul Van Dyke song is that that's three. I'm trying to pick yeah, that's three. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's uh, Avenue, right? Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah. really, really good. One, uh, Body Emotion, I think it is. That's a really good one. That's on twenty ninety seven. Yeah, Body Emotion's great. That's um, that's Cold Storage, I think. Uh, yeah, I love, I love Expander, um, Petrol, which, like, I've actually might have been Wipeout 1, but that's a great song, uh, Orbital Petrol, um, Firestarter Instrumental, of course. (laughs) What was that? Uh, Firestarter Instrumental, of course. Firestarter, I mean, I, see, I love the vocals in that song, so the instrumental actually takes something away from me. Mm, right. Yeah, I can. I can see that. To be honest, no. I, I like. Um, I got. I gotta hear Keith howling through the whole song. It's just not the same without it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that. <laughs> yeah, the uh, tin tin there, which uh, isn't. It's like Pearl's Girl tin there or something like that. Is how I found on Spotify. Um, but yeah, it's a different that. song. Yeah, amazing. We have explosive. So many great songs. Oh my god, these. These soundtracks are legendary for sure. You put together, like you're saying, you're already doing it by the sounds of Adam, but a, a master playlist on Spotify and share it on the Twitter feed. <laughs> yeah, so all the soundtracks. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing that. There are a lot of there are a lot of people who have put together wipeout soundtracks, but they're not all like they don't include everything from every game. They leave out some certain, and I don't. I just think it's because they're hard to find. Like, uh, for example, like Tin There is like a it's like a b-side of pearls girl and sort of like pearls girl but actually a different song completely so like if you don't know what you're looking for some of these songs are listed on spotify under 
different names and whatnot, which is why, like, I always, like, for video game music and stuff like that, I like just having the local MP3s like a dinosaur, because then it's like, I know, you know, I actually have everything, and I don't have to search for it online, but, but yeah, we could, we could put together a playlist. I mean, I made one. It's also got a lot of stuff that's, like, not Wipeout in it, but very Wipeout inspired. Um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Ah, yeah, these two, two fantastic games. I think, um, I think I'm gonna finish my 2097 playthrough and then go through Wipeout 3 because I was having a lot of fun with 2097 the other day. Yeah, I think I might give 2097 a go as well. I mean, I've kind of took a, a different approach since we started doing this series in the sense that I've been playing a lot of the Wipeout likes that have appeared recently, such as Ballistic NG, Formula Fusion, Red Out, th- those types of games, just to see like what what are they missing right now? What can they do to kind of emulate that style if that's what they want? More so for Formula Fusion, because that's literally the X Wipeout devs, and they've got the Designers Republic involved. So when when they release what will be known as Pacer later on this year, because Formula Fusion has been officially discontinued, like to see how close they're at at the moment. So I've been playing a lot of Formula Fusion to see what's missing from that Wipeout feel. And they're pretty close at the moment, so I do have a, I have a feeling Pacer when it does come out, whenever it comes out, because I imagine it'll have another few delays. Um, just when we get to, to new Wipeout with some old Wipeout-inspired stuff in there, design-wise, eight lines, but there's just something mythical about Wipeout, I think, that you can only get by going back and playing 2097 free. Uh, fusion if you really hate yourself <laughs> uh, don't disparage one of Daryl's favorite wipeouts that way <laughs> I'm sorry Daryl <laughs> yeah it'd be good to I, I haven't played through many of those games either I, you know, I don't know if you uh, Daryl if you've experienced any of them I mean Pacer looks really good for sure be honest I mean I've been playing a lot of these wipeout games the past couple of weeks ever since we recorded and I'm just tempted now just to buy like a PlayStation Vita and just try and get all these Wipeout games on it now. Like to play like 2097 on a OLED display on a Vita, it's really sounding tempting to me now. I'm, I want to get into it. Yeah, um, I can say for a fact that uh, I mean we might all own Ridge Racer Type Four on the Vita, but like ugh, that game looks so good on that screen, and like the Vita screen is just low resolution enough to the point where like it doesn't upscale badly. When you're playing PlayStation One games on that display, um, it sucks because it is a small window because it's four by three. But I mean, it's it's still it still look amazing. I, I would like to do that too. I, I have a Vita, but I've never like really hacked it or tried to do anything to it. But I should give it a shot. I think there's a way of just getting Wipeout One, Twenty Ninety Seven, um, Pure Pulse, and another Wipeout game I've forgotten about. But definitely, you can have those games on. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the funny thing is, I I know there are different, in terms of how I play these games now, I know that there are different uh, PlayStation 1 classics in, like, different regions. In the U.S., I think we only ever got Wipeout 1 and Pulse as games that you could play on. I mean, Pulse obviously came out on the PSP, so you could play that yeah. on the Vita, but, like, yeah, never, never Pure, unfortunately, I don't think. Never um, 2097 or XL, which is really unfortunate, because, like, I don't know anybody who prefers the original Wipeout to Wipeout XL. Like, uh, XL's yeah, yeah. like the best of that era. So, um, 
But I guess there might be an issue with the soundtracks. It probably has something to do with it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. It's just very tempting, isn't it, just to play, like, say, Wipeout 3 or 297 just on the Vita. Because we know it's not going to be ported to the Switch. I mean, you know, it's pretty much a fact, to be honest. So I think to have that as a something like extra to carry around with you and for a commute, I think it's really tempting. So, uh, yeah, definitely something I'm looking into now. Yeah, I think I have a project uh, to work on this week. <laughs> Try and get those games <laughs> up and running. Absolutely. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, yeah, I think that just about covers it. Unless anyone else has got anything to say. Uh, this, this episode went uh, a little bit longer than I expected, but I mean... Once I feel like once we got to like twenty nine seven and three, it's just like you can't stop talking about those games. They're so special. Yeah. 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 I'm uh, definitely gonna be playing after this, though. So. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> oh. Well, all right, uh, everyone. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, we'll see you again with another episode, another new episode shortly. Take care. Thanks, guys. Take care.